Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Big Warm Bidet. Uh, hi, my name is Alex. Hi, I'm Gina, like always. <laughs> As usual. As usual. Today, we're joined by two very special guests. Whoa, two? Two. 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 That's not the most we've had, though. No. <laughs> Sorry, but guys. This is the first time that we've had this many guests, each with their own microphone. Wow. We're increasing our budget Crazy. here. Yeah, except not because I borrowed these. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes, yeah, so today we have two guests, Justin and Joel. Um, how about you guys do a little self-introduction because we don't know anything about you guys. We are both <laughs> We are both former engineering students who are currently business students who like theology. Oh, interesting. Ah. So what's yep. your name, the person that just talked? Joel. <laughs> That's Joel. Yep, and I'm Justin. Hi, Justin. Uh, Justin is marketing. the one with the other voice. Yeah. Marketing. <laughs> I'm in the same major as Gina. Yes, you so follow you like, my footsteps. You like to convince people they want to buy stuff that they don't need? Is that your whole goal in life? Sounds pretty awful. That's my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awful, actually. Yeah, Business students yeah. are the worst. It's just fun to put it like that because it makes you squirm a bit. I would not recommend marketing I as a major. I would never go into business because I hate things to do with money because i just don't get it oh don't worry business isn't about money what it's not about anything oh it's the it's the seinfeld of majors yeah exactly yeah. honestly i don't really know what i'm learning i don't <laughs> cool. remember what i'm learning but one thing i did learn you're demonstrating competency one thing i did learn in one of my classes is personality test notice, notice that segue Wow, that oh, was yeah. wow. Oh. wow. How long have you been thinking about that? Just now, because you guys kept talking about yeah. business. Okay. Kay. Nice. So we invited these two people here today to talk about the... Is it trendy anymore? Are personality tests trendy anymore? Oh, it's so trendy. Okay. Yes. I'm at Enneagram 4. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know what that Are means. <laughs> no, I don't know anything. It's just another Enneagram podcast. I think I think maybe... Maybe for context, when we say trendy, like what trendy in what circles? Because I feel like Justin actually has the most experience with like the the trendiness of personality tests, IRL. I've Justin. never really... Ex well, actually, that's not true. I have oh, experienced no. it. IRL. How about you guys just I tell mean, us your experience of personality guys, tests in you general? You hear about it in like business classes because it's essential to our education now, so... Is that your only exposure to personality tests? Honestly, I've never... For the purposes of manipulation? Weren't you, weren't you at a... Uh, talking to someone... Oh, yeah! Like, some, something to do with Regent College? Oh, yeah, and... I, was, I was at a conference, a Christian conference, and then there was an entire series of presentations on uh, a personality test called the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um... So it's definitely pervasive in in Christian circles. I don't know if the word pervasive is very nice, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Joel, what what have your experiences uh, been? So when I was on a missions trip in Denmark, there was one one of the staff members really liked the Enneagram, and apparently it was like a big thing among sort of like the girls of the missions trip they were all trying to like oh let's figure out what your enneagram number is and let's let's do the enneagram test um and so i think that the enneagram maybe not so much like 
in 2020, but a couple years ago was a big thing among evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about your experience, Alex? Um, I kind of I started off as a as a Myers Briggs lad back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of discovered it. I think in late high school. I don't remember how, but I was just at the time I was very fascinated. Not necessarily fascinated. I was more. I was very interested in like trying to figure out what I wanted to do because you know I was just coming out of high school. So I was like, okay, well, let's find a personality test thing, and so it'll tell me what I should do for my life. Mm. Um, and you know, of course, my I started off ENFJ, but that was because I wasn't being honest with myself. <laughs> And also because of the way that the Myers-Briggs test is designed. Well, actually, fun fun fact about the 16 personalities version of the Myers-Briggs is that they use the the big five ocean parameters and apply it to the Myers-Briggs profiles. So it's kind of broken. Oh, okay. So they, they equate the, of course, extroversion is the same. E versus I. Yeah. Um, openness is N versus S. Um or is that no that's agreeableness or is i don't know and then there's openness which i think they do for t versus f and but, then but no the virus briggs only has wrong. four dimensions they added their uh turbulent versus um assertive which yeah. is their equivalent of uh neuroticism oh okay yeah yeah and then they equate um p and j to being um conscientiousness which is unrelated yeah your organizational is, level doesn't have anything to do with getting work well, done i guess i don't know this is a lot of letters maybe we need a little more context here yeah okay. um first of all gina yes uh, let's ask you what your thing is and then we'll get right into it we'll get right into it okay we'll get, jump right into it okay yes sir um well my experience i think i remember in high school they made us do the like Meyer Briggs one, but I didn't really care about it. And then I did the Meyer Briggs one again after graduating, but I also didn't really care about it. And then in first year in nursing, they made us do like the Hexicon one. Hexaco? Yeah, Hexaco one. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So it's very You've similar never to the heard big of it because it was developed at the University of Calgary. Oh, yeah. Oh. And only the University of Calgary cares about it. That's interesting. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So that one's like very similar to like the big five. Okay. Person. But they added one. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what the extra dimension is, though. I don't remember either. Hotness. <laughs> Which is obviously the most important part of anyone's personality. Yes. Yeah, especially at the U- UFC. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, That's all we care about there. It's a hotness school. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. yeah. And then I learned about personality tests. Oh, this was kind of fun in OBHR. So it's like an HR class I took last um, winter semester. And um, our prof made us do the Hexaco test again. And then he said, oh, if you send me in your results, I'll do a summary of what your personality is. And then the next day, he was like, oh, how did you feel about, or do you think my um, summary of your personality was accurate? And a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, psych, I sent you guys all the same ones. <laughs> That's, I like that. I like your prof. That's awesome. Wow. Dude, yeah. it's just like, it's just like, oh, what is there's it called? A, there's a name for that effect. Uh, it's actually a... Uh, people, people, I wish I could remember the name. There is, there is a, uh, some psychological effect, which has a name, which <laughs> mm. j- refers to the sort of tendency of, 
um, people to hear vague descriptions Mm -hmm. of experiences that people go through and um, think that those relate uniquely to them when actually they relate generally to all people. It's like Um, astrology. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like astrology. Um, (laughs) Astrology, but there's a term of. uh, Yeah, it comes from the research that has been done on astrology Mm -hmm. to sort of demonstrate why astrology is so so enticing. Well, not effective. Effective is not the right word. (laughs) Effective at getting people to be interested in it. Okay. And and believe in it. This is going to drive me crazy if I don't find out what this is actually called. All right, go for it. Um, While you're looking that up. I'm just going to do a short overview of the the Myers-Briggs profile. So, um, according to it, I am an INFP, which means introverted. Um, Oh, oh, what's N? Intuitive, feeling, and perceiving. Basically, what that means is that um, I, I, I tend to be more comfortable, I guess. I don't... My introversion is complicated. I'm like an extroverted introvert. So like if I'm with people that I'm comfortable with, I'll be very outgoing and and very people oriented. But I'm not the kind of person who just goes out and it's like, oh, I'm gonna go and meet new people. I hate meeting new people um, unless I'm surrounded by a bunch of people I already know. Um, but anyways, yeah, so E versus I is extroverted versus introverted. Then N versus S is uh, intuitive versus observing. Um, I forget what the original words were. That's just the ones that the 16 personalities website uses. Um, I honestly have a hard time explaining kind of what the difference is. Intuitive are people who I think are, I guess, more try to try to look for things is it more um, like logic based? No, that's no? feeling versus thinking. Oh, what's um, intuitive in versus observing? Um, oh. So, observing people, I think, tend to be more, um, in I guess, set in their ways and more focused on I guess, safety and security, kind of, in in one sense, and wanting wanting things to be the way that they have been more intuitive people are more focused i think on finding new ways to do things and are more i suppose open to to newer possibilities Uh, i don't think that's a very good description um if you are listening and you think that i did a bad job of describing that you can go look it up yourself Uh, feeling versus thinking very obvious people who are feeling um think more with their emotions and tend to be i guess more empathetic with other people or thinking people are more logical, more cerebral, um, and are more focused on, you know, empirical results and stuff like that. Then there's uh, J versus P, which is judging versus perceiving. Judging people, um, according to Myers-Briggs, tend to be more organized and uh, better planners and things like that, where P people are more laid back and more like, ah, whatever. I don't know. Um, and then also they added a, a a fourth one, no, sorry, a fifth one, which is um, assertive versus turbulent. So people who are assertive are more assertive and more sure of themselves. People who are turbulent are less so and um, tend to waver more, I guess, in their emotions. 
I don't I don't know. And so is this the 16 personalities version of that's, the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, that's the 16 personalities version. Honestly, I don't have a lot of experience with that outside of that. But when I've taken tests for for other personality profiling quizzes that also are like, okay, here's your your results in multiple different pro, uh, profilings. Um, I tend to always get the same result, which is INFP. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the only difference I think between the sixteen personality and Myers Briggs is the T versus A, so like turbulent versus assertiveness. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, and that's and that's the thing about um, like so I I think as far as I understand at least the original Myers Briggs has a slightly different definition of some of the kind of axes compared to like the big five model. Um, and so like, I think the big five model would talk about extroversion, introversion differently than the Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. would have talked about it. Um, and I think that when you, when you talk about how you have like, oh, a complicated introversion that is more, that's better reflected in the big five definition of introversion mm -hmm. than um, like, I also took the same OBHR class as Gina. And so we talked about how, how introversion and extroversion has little to do with how like kind of socially adept you are. It has more to do with- Stimulation. Yeah, stimulation and whether your natural, natural draw is to be with other people or to be alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm on the official Myers-Briggs website. Uh, their definition of extroversion, I like getting my energy from active involvement in events and having a lot of different activities. I'm excited when I'm around people and I like to energize other people. Um, I like moving into action, making things happen, etc. Introversion. I like getting my energy from dealing with ideas, pictures, memories, and reactions that are inside my head in my inner world. I often prefer doing things alone or with one or two people I feel comfortable with. I take time to reflect so that I have a clear idea of what I'll be doing when I decide to act. Which, I mean, some of that is kind of mixing in other of their axes. Yeah. Because... Well, and this is this is the difficulty even like when you when you say, okay, official Myers Briggs, the Myers Briggs was never really an official and I'm I'm using air quotes here, yeah. official thing. And so when you kinda say the official home of the Myers Briggs, that doesn't really mean anything because the Myers Briggs was just as far as I understand it, just a guy who was like two mm. guys? Oh, it was Myers and Briggs. I would guess. Okay. Yeah. It was actually, I think it was two women, and it was Meyer based Briggs. off Carl, oh. Carl oh. Jung's Meyer, research. Meyer oh. Briggs is a mom and daughter duo who yeah. did base um, their findings on Carl Jung's writing. Young. Like, Young. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> sorry, I just said it. sorry. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> <Carl. laughs> so, please, please keep that in. Meyer Meyer Briggs is a daughter and mother yeah, it, duo. While, while we're on the topic of mispronouncing things, oh, you've you've said Meyer Briggs. It's not Meyer. It's, it's Myers. Myers Briggs. Yeah, so, you, you've okay. said it every time. We're, okay, we're we're actually experts, right? Yeah, all <laughs> of us, okay. all of us Very are clearly. experts. Anyways, it's a mother and daughter duo, <laughs> and they got their inspiration from Carl Jung's um, psychological types, and so a lot of the things that they t developed were just based on things that he wrote about, and a lot of people said like there really isn't a lot of validity or credentials to. No, them. <laughs> they're not. They're not professional psychologists. They're not trained, as far as I'm aware. Well, they weren't. Obviously, I think they're 
gone now. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. It's a very long time like ago. Like, Carl, Carl Jung was kind of in... He's like the third generation Sigmund Freud. Oh, wow. So he, mm. he would have been kind of... A lots of his sort of school of thought was inspired by... Well, I think he was the student of someone who was very much inspired by Freud. Mm. And so lots of Carl Jung's psychology is kind of widely discredited now. Um, and this is this is the thing that makes psychology difficult is that psychology is always applying kind of human categories and we're we're observing from the outside looking in and so it's not like neuroscience where like in neuroscience you can measure the activity of a neuron and be like okay look the neuron did something but psychology is always in this tricky spot where it's trying to be scientific but also trying to apply meaning to the activities of humans and fit fit human behavior into categories which people understand mm -hmm. and so it's it's really vulnerable to people noticing patterns that aren't actually there um, and it's also really vulnerable to kind of the correlation causation challenge where just because um, just because two things are often often go together doesn't mean that one necessarily causes the other or vice versa there could be a third factor which causes both of them um, or that could be a coincidence. Um, and so any anytime people are trying to create these things, there's always the the risk of us seeing something that's not there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the the Myers Briggs is kind of widely it's not it's considered pseudoscience. Yeah. Because they're just made up categories. Mm. Mm. Do you guys think these personality tests, such as the Myers Briggs, were where there are a lot of like questionable validity to it, but it's still used across like many different institutions, even in like finding jobs and stuff. Do you think they're actually beneficial at all? No, absolutely not. No, I mean <laughs> it's it's a way people bond in friendships. It's like you go up to someone, you're like, "Oh, you're an ENFP, me too." And it's like, "Wow, cool." Mm. Yeah. But like, aside from that, like I honestly haven't found any use for it. So why do you think it's so popularly used? Because it's it's nice to fit into a category and be able to say that's who I am. Hmm. That that is um that is me as a person. Um that is so me. <laughs> yeah. Just said the same thing. Yeah, you. I know. <laughs> yeah, up, that's what people up, on the internet are all about though. They're like oh. That is so me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so I did I did find the name of that effect. The okay. effect is oh. called the Barnum effect. Oh, uh, after PT so Barnum from from Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm. Uh, in psychology, the phenomenon that occurs when individuals believe that personality descriptions apply specifically to them more so than to other people, despite the fact that the description is actually filled with information that applies to everyone. Ah. And so when people are saying, "Oh, that's so me anyone could say that's so me because it's actually has Everybody. more to do with being a human than yeah. being a particular human yeah. yeah so why yeah like kind of going off what with what you were saying alex why do okay let's take away like companies using this why do individuals love personality tests so much because we live in a time when we're desperate for identity 
so like okay so think i say i'm i'm a peasant living in 17th century britain and my last name is Maryfield because my family has been farmers for a long time. And, and my, my father was a farmer and his father was a farmer and I'm going to be a farmer. And I'm, you know, pretty, pretty genetically predisposed to being a farmer because <laughs> my family has all been farmers. And so we're, we're not bad at it. And so I don't worry about who I am. I can say that I'm oh, the son of this farmer and I'm going to be a farmer and my son's probably going to be a farmer. And so you don't, you don't really have to think about who am I, but we're in a world where you can be anything you want to be. And that, that's actually terrifying because it's kind of the ultimate sort of decision paralysis. Who am I? And so if someone can just tell you this is who you are, that's like so refreshing to people because it gives them just a label and they don't have to think about it anymore. And now now I have an identity. And so I'm an INTJ. I'm just like Elon Musk. <laughs> you're gonna, Wait, you're gonna I can see make the next SpaceX. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, don't do that, please. Whoa, all these connections. It makes yeah. sense now. Maybe yeah. Meyer Briggs is the real deal no this is the not. next elon musk right here sitting before us probably Crazy. not no, i doubt <laughs> yeah. it honestly yeah and that's and that's the thing so like 16 personalities that's the site that told me oh you're just like elon musk you're you're an architect mm. and so um i was told i was like michael scott it, people <laughs> it's always it's always sort of like Checks out. a um it's always a it's a story that you can attach to. And so they always give you the story of kind of like, oh, successful people, well-known people, people that other people like, and I'm like that. Um, and so there's a there's a, a really powerful sort of um, a temptation, I guess, to believe that story um, because it's a story that we want to believe desperately, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but the problem is is that if it's a story which is just not true then it's then i think it's it's dangerous i think it's dangerous anytime we believe something that's not true yeah Mm. yeah now um we're gonna i think switch over to enneagram here a bit i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you justin um what what sort of things were taught at that conference about the Enneagram in relation to to living life as a Christian. Wait, before you keep going, can oh. you like give a background on what Enneagram oh, is? Oh yeah, let's do let's <laughs> yeah. talk about Enneagram. So Enneagram uh, basically um, I think I think it tries to pretend to be less pseudoscience, but ends up being more pseudoscience. How how would you say that it tries even... to pretend I don't know. I like. I mean, I have I've, almost no exposure to I've, like Enneagram yeah, in the yeah. wild. I've so I've heard, in the wild. What do you mean? Like someone actually being like, "Hey, let's talk about Enneagram." Really? Like, let's, I, I, I don't. No. I I don't actually. I, I I've run into a couple, but anyways, um, from from what I've heard, they uh, people at like the top level. This isn't necessarily indicative of people who actually use it and uh, try to apply it to their lives, hmm. but they try to say like, "Oh, this is." Um, kind of a profile of of what you've become due to the circumstances of your life, due to your upbringing, um, and I mean, not that not that I've looked into this very much. This is just one one thing that I heard from from one guy. 
um, who seem to have a lot of authority on the subject. Um, but basically, um, it kind of separates people into groups. Um, there's a lot of complicated stuff. Like there's the, it, there's Enneagram basically means nine, nine shape. Gram. It's a nine pointed shape. Um, <laughs> if you look it up, you'll, you'll see there's nine points. It kind of looks like a crown. Mm. Um, and so the, the idea behind it is that each each person can kind of identify with one and then also you have a wing which is next to you and then also like if you're strong you're going in one direction and if you're weak you're going in one direction there's a bunch of like weird stuff that i don't want to get into just because it would take so long to explain it um but basically there's like type one where you're like very um very ideas focused perfectionist kind of person number two where you're a nurturing kind of person who likes to help people number three where you're like very ambitious you're like oh man i want to distinguish myself number four where you're like i'm very creative i need to be expressive i need to make sure that i'm so unique number five is very um i think analytical and very thinking and wants to be right um number six is focused on security and being loyal um which apparently i think is is the the most common type in in north america i believe which is kind of gives credit to the idea that enneagram is pseudoscience if that <laughs> large of the population identifies as one type but anyways continuing number seven very adventurous wants to try new experiences uh wants adrenaline and energy uh, number eight is um argumentative and con confrontational and um is like wants to be a strong leader um, number nine is like peacemaker and it's just like shies away from conflict and wants to just be like, Hey guys, let's all get along. Mm. Um, yeah. And then on other side, there's wings. So you can be a three wing four or a three wing two, or you can be a five wing six or a five wing four, etc. And, and you can only be wings with the things that are next to your number. So if you're a number. five, you can only be a wing with four or six. Yeah. Um, and, and also the thing is like you can have both wings if you if you develop those wings but you're if you're a four <laughs> Evolve. if you're a four you're never gonna be a one i'm yeah. sorry to say it <laughs> oh. i think actually no that well, might that might yeah. be a direction that it can go in it's uh, either a stretch or a release yeah i think it's oh. i yeah. think it's a release i think that means you're letting go like, of your personality no it, it's like if you're a four and you're having a bad time or you're being really challenged you'll act more like a one as sort of like the way of like venting or yeah like, yeah. Uh, yeah um it's all very complicated um so i kind of got into it last summer not this summer 2020 summer of 2019 because i had some friends who were kind of into it uh, and i was like okay sure i like personality tests so i took it um i got a nine um and i got a one wing um and i was like okay that's cool um whatever <laughs> See, actually that's not true i i got kind of a little bit like into it and i was like oh man i'm a nine i gotta work on this i gotta be more assertive and like I, a bunch of things that are yeah good things for me to do because mm -hmm. i those it did it did point out a lot of weaknesses that i have but also it didn't show me every single weakness i had um, mm -hmm. Do you think it pointed out those weaknesses, or was it just like you became more aware because it was written out? Oh, definitely the second. Yeah. 
See, I think if I can go back a little bit, yeah, because you you talked a little bit about the origins of of the Enneagram, and um, the Enneagram is really interesting because the Enneagram has multiple origin stories. Mm. There's actually a couple mm. uh, disagreeing accounts of where the Enneagram comes from, um, but the thing that they all have in common is that they all claim that it's ancient when there's no evidence to suggest that it's ancient. Uh-huh. Um, and they all have some sort of spirituality associated with it. Yeah. And so the Enneagram has been a spiritual personality test yes. since the beginning. And mm-hmm. it seems to really have been popularized in Christian circles. Well, right? in Christian in Christianity by mm-hmm. uh, Richard Rohr. I don't know that. Uh, so Richard guy. Rohr, <laughs> he says in jest. Yeah. Um, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan friar, uh, which in the Shire. No, in the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, okay. He's he's from like South America, I think. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but he's. Uh, He's definitely interesting as far as as far as uh, Catholics go. You wouldn't. He's associated with a number of things that you wouldn't really expect to be associated with Roman Catholicism, mm. home of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, oh really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyways, he he kind of seems to have really popularized it within Catholicism in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of jumped over from Catholicism into evangelicalism. And so it's it's unique in that it doesn't seem to have really been popular among non-religious people. Mm-hmm. It's always been a, a religious person's personality test. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and I think, I think that that makes it, uh, well, I guess in my words, worse than the other ones. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Let's go back steering to like the original conversation, like with Justin and like, the conference. What were you going to ask about that? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, Because I think this kind of goes into what you're thinking of now. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> what did they sort of teach about Enneagram in, in relation to um, the Christian walk, I guess? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting because before going to the conference, I kind of searched up the speakers um, of the conference because... I don't know. I'm a five, apparently. Uh, and, like, that's what I do. Classic. Yeah. Classic five. So, um, What's yeah. What's five again? Um, it's, like, the investigator. The one that's, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, i got to look for information. Oh, yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. so me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I think also, I think it would be a one. Also, here? several other of them. Yeah. I think it would be a one and I'm also a, a three. Five wing six. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. You but, don't seem very four to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm a four. I think you're a nine. I. Oh, I don't think, I don't think yeah. so. Are we talking about the Enneagram test still over there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're, I we're just, just know it we're deep inside that Justin yeah. is a nine. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, leading up to the conference, I knew that this speaker would be there, and so I started reading into it a bit more. Um, but at the conference, he had like. Like, during the week, I think he had, like, three or four sessions where he taught about the Enneagram, giving kind of, like, um, a basis for it, what it is, and defining some things. Uh, and then next, he uh, used that basis and tried to use um, the Bible, so Christian scripture, to justify the things that um, he was saying. And then he was talking about how it's, like, uh, pretty much a different lens to see your life um, uh, to live through. Um, what's really interesting is he'd say things like Jesus is the perfect 
person who like fulfills the enneagram where he's he like all, all nine he's all nine Which, and so i mean to be fair is kind of like the the reason you, you we can kind of see ourselves in all of the types yeah and they kind of just represent our strengths and weaknesses yeah and I, that's part of the reason why it's so dangerous to to stick yourself to a number and be like yeah that's me i can't go outside of that no yeah. not everyone does that uh, but anyways, continue. We'll we'll have a broader discussion afterwards. Yeah, and and so like Jesus as being the perfect uh, enneagram, um, I guess like that would be like the drive for Christians to to see this worldview, um, and then that's where they start doing the stretches and the releases of like um, where you're a certain number and you want to self improve by. Uh, stretching and becoming more like a different number um, just to balance your personality out. Um, and and so it was really interesting because um, there were a lot of people who went to those workshops um, really curious about like what Enneagram was. Uh, but in the end, it was also really interesting because a lot of people would like walk out of the workshops and be confused or be like, oh, I'm not sure if this is legit. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. So what is your personal opinion? So my personal opinion on the Enneagram is that it's a tool that can be used to see um, what people are like, but I don't think it's actually compatible with a Christian worldview. Mm, Can you expand on that a little bit more? So I think what Enneagram does is it reduces um, people's views of like who they are and like what um, it means to be a person to some number that's limited enough where you can actually ignore a lot of the ways that people fall short. Hmm. Um, and to use Christian lingo, like this almost turns the Enneagram into another law that people have to follow or people want to follow hmm. um, just to, to improve themselves. Um, but I don't think adding more laws to Christian life is actually that helpful. Yeah. Um, and in, in the end, like, I, I think when you look at what Enneagram uh, teaches and the way it causes you to think, I think it's contrary to how Christians look at life in terms of um, things like sin and atonement and faith. Mm-hmm. I think so. If I might kind of ask a hypothetical question. Oh, your favorite. What is the difference between the Enneagram and astrology? Hmm. I was going to say, one like, of them, what... One of them is technically more based in fact. Astrology. Is it? I'm just kidding. I am a Gemini. I was born between May 27th and oh, May 20th. Oh, okay, yeah. That can't be changed. That can't That's be refuted. true, Yeah. And the stars are really out there. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. constellations from our perspective. They do exist. exist. Yeah. Wow. Exist. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> and see, I think that, and that's why, um, I think astrology is a helpful reference point for Christians because astrology is actually kind of mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like divination is specifically prohibited yeah. in the Bible. And so, um, like like when we we often like as kids you grow up hearing the story of the wise men who visited Jesus we kind of miss the part of that story where they're actually being portrayed as like lawless pagans 
in that story because of their practice of divination. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a deeper story there of of even even the Gentiles coming coming to worship Jesus, um, which is symbolically present because of the unlawful divination that these wise men do. Um, and so if we can if we can kind of look at astrology oh. and say that's ruled out, that's sinful, that's specifically mm. prohibited by the law of God. What makes the Enneagram any different? Hmm. Now, yeah, I'm going to go into full devil's advocate mode here. Um, nice. in, I a, support in you. a more literal sense. <laughs> in a more literal sense. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. If, sorry. Wait. If, if we're equating uh, Enneagram and a certain other personality profiles as being astrology, yeah. we can say that they're demonic. We'll say that. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Anything which is not which is not in accordance with God's law yeah. is under so I'm, the I'm ruler playing, of this world. I'm playing, so, sure. possibly playing devil's advocate yeah. here. Um, and I'm, I'm mostly going to, this is kind of not necessarily a, 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 a fair argument for the Enneagram just because it is such a spiritually based thing. Um, but if you, um, I'm going to kind of talk about Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, both kind of in tandem here. Um, if you look at them more as approximations of of a person, um, I'm gonna start with Myers Briggs. More of approximation of a person and how they perceive the world and how they process it, then I don't think it's as dangerous um, as long as a person keeps in mind that that is not who they are. That is just a, how they tend to be, because I think a person is generally either introverted or extroverted, not necessarily always. Um, a person may have a tendency to want to look into things more, and a person may have a tendency to want to kind of stay the way things are, I guess. I don't, that's the, again, I have a really hard time differentiating between N and S. <laughs> and, then, um, and then a person can also be more thinking-based and more feeling-based, and then also a person might be more organized or less organized. And I think mm-hmm. from that perspective, that's fine as long as you're not going onto like the page and being like, okay, this is what an INFP is like. I gotta be creative. J.R.R. Tolkien, oh man, I, I gotta write a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. I gotta write seven <laughs> fantasy novels. Oh, dang. Um, if you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't wanna put that kind of pressure on yourself. But I think it's an interesting tool that can be used. Um, just as an approximation of a person um in terms of enneagram wait pause for a second yeah. does the enneagram like have a test or is it just like you self-identify again you're it's supposed very, to self-identify yeah. but there are a lot of tests either there. it's like either you self-identify or other people actually yeah give it to you and so there's there's accredited Enneagram certifications. What? Where people can actually become Enneagram. Well, and, and I'm sure that that's accredited in air quotes. In air quotes. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure what. Because you, you can get you can't homeopathy just, accreditations too. You can't Enneagram someone without even knowing them that well. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with, with the Enneagram, um, I find it's kind of a summation of how someone interacts with the world around them rather than how they process it. Hmm. Um, where, for example, a seven tends to be more outgoing and more, I don't know. I've, I've a lot, I've a lot harder of a time advocating for Enneagram just because it is so much more wishy-washy 
and so much more um i guess astrology like yeah so because you can see yourself in everything and yes you do have one thing that is strongest to you but like when i when i take a test i'm very high in nine and almost as high in four because mm-hmm. i'm a i'm 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 a very uh non-confrontational want to try to make the peace kind of person but i'm also a very creative kind of person and i think to say i'm a nine i'm not a four i'm not a creative person is selling myself short and very much so restricting me and like i've you know, I, I've been uh, doing counseling with, with, uh, I think he's a psychologist. Wait, <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He's a um, person who does he's, counseling. He's actually an Enneagram expert. No, I, I hope not. Um, he hasn't told me if he is, um, but like he's been really helping. Why, why didn't you get him as your guest? Oh yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> or is your relationship strictly professional? I think it's strictly professional. I've never seen him outside of a session. Sweet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, How about we bring in the podcast to the session? Oh, yeah. Just record one of your sessions. <laughs> I, yeah. I can just pay to do a podcast with yeah. him. No, <laughs> so, I'd rather not do that. Anyways, he's been really, uh, helping me. Um, I try to figure out, I guess more what I want to do because that's something that I've really struggled with hmm. uh, with choosing a career. I still haven't chosen a career path. I'm not going to be working at a warehouse either. That's the only thing I do know. But then there's this whole broad range of things that I could do. But uh, what do I want to do? And of course, I'd, I'd like to be doing creative things. That's not necessarily financially viable. I could probably just end up doing a trade or something, but then I'd be bored. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> While while uh, doing like the enneagram type of thing, I'm like, oh, a nine. Okay, well maybe I should be a psychologist or a diplomat or something. Um, but then I realized with psychology, there's a lot of schoolwork that needs to be done. I don't have the attention span for that. Mm-hmm. With diplomacy and politics and stuff like that, I don't want to be writing letters to people and drafting bills. <laughs> that mm. sounds horrible. I don't want to do that. So clearly looking at my Enneagram is not a good indication of what I should do with my life. Uh, that's not going to get me anywhere. And so I think, I think that one, uh, a helpful framework to kind of think about personality tests and where I would kind of draw the line between something being a tool that we can use versus being kind of dangerous or potentially dangerous is whether the, whether it is descriptive or prescriptive. Mm. And so <laughs> And so I, I am more okay with Myers-Briggs because Wait, for the can most... can you define so, the difference between okay, the two? Okay, so the Myers-Briggs <laughs> is very descriptive. Mm-hmm. It says, these are some things about you, mm-hmm. and then it kind of, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so it might, and so 16 personalities kind of goes a little further than that, and they say, oh, look, here's some other people, and they, they try to write a profile, and that's where I think it starts to get a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. But it, it's the difference between this is something that can be observed about you. And the dangerous part comes when it says, therefore, you need to do this, or this mm. is what you're going to be prone to. When it starts, it's it's essentially fortune telling, mm-hmm. where it says, based on these things in your personality, this is the future about you, or this is the potential paths. Based on the month that you were born in, 
<laughs> this is what your personality is going to be like. And these are the people that you're going to be compatible mm. or incompatible with based on these lines on your hand, we can know. <laughs> and so it's not, it's not wrong for any of us to look at our hand and observe some neat patterns in the lines <laughs> on our hand. Yeah. It's when we start trying to predict the future with that. Mm. And so um, I think that the Enneagram is very prescriptive, mm -hmm. um, especially with this idea of like the wings and in the stretches and releases and like all of that is prescriptive and Christians don't need that. We have so much in scripture in terms of both vocabulary to describe human behavior in the lens of what is in accordance with God's law and then what is sin. And the language of spiritual gifting is a language which we can use to describe what people are good at and what they're not good at. We have a perfect example in Jesus, in the ideal human. And so we just, we don't need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it can either be up somehow just perfectly in accordance with God's word, which is impossible. Um, or it can be worse than God's word. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the one impossible hypothetical we simply don't need it we can just use scripture and in the other it's we should be using scripture because it's better yeah yeah so i i would say that there's actually no place for the enneagram in christianity yeah. cool yeah and i, I find it really interesting because like when you describe this like when we use well when people use enneagram it's to kind of like describe who they are but then also prescribe a solution to it it's it sounds very similar to like uses of the law in that um, you get a label to, to, to show what you are, but then Jesus fulfills the Enneagram here. And so after that, you change yourself by doing these stretches or releases. Whereas I think the way Christian, yeah, Christians have described how we should live our lives is that the first piece of the law is that the law convicts us of our sin, but we recognize that Jesus in his life on earth fulfills the law. He fulfills the covenant of works so that we don't actually have to live up to it. And then in response, there's this third use of the law that it's fitting for us as Christians to do certain things to please God, which is obeying his law. Um, and so when, when I look at the ways that Christians see the law already and then how people describe the Enneagram, to me, it sounds like it's just another set of laws, which I find almost impossible to find in scripture. And so in reality, like it almost does the same thing, except one has a lot more substance in terms of like Christian theology and backing where the other one seems to be an addition to Christianity. Hmm. Okay. So kind of going off of what you guys have been kind of talking about right now, like both of you are kind of saying there is no place for Enneagram in Christian life. So do you guys think there's actually dangers to actually oh, subscribing yeah. to it? Yeah. I, I think that one of the biggest dangers is um, one of the things that our culture believes is that the solution to all of our problems lies inside of ourselves. And that if we can just go deep enough, if we can just understand how you work as a person and you 
you figure out who you are meant to be, then you can solve all of the problems in your life, which mm. is to some people might sound like, oh, that, that seems reasonable, but it's totally at odds with the Christian worldview. But because that's that's the system that our culture is operating in, and that you you need to look into yourself in order to find salvation, um, that makes the Enneagram tempting. Um, when in reality, if if we use sort of like the biblical worldview, we should not expect to find solutions when we look inside. We should expect to find lots of brokenness. Mm. We should expect to find lots of just contradiction. Things we we do the things that we don't want to do, um, and there isn't really a good explanation for why we do a lot of the things that we do. Um, and so I don't I don't really don't think we should be calling Christians to like look inside yourself, understand who you are. Obviously. Um, I'm not advocating for like total ignorance of mm. like your tendencies and weaknesses, like, um, but we shouldn't expect solutions to come from looking in. We should be looking to the author and perfecter of our faith, who is in fact Jesus Christ and not, not other things as have been recently suggested in political media. Um, but uh, that's a tangent we don't need to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I, I think that there's there's actually a lot of um, worldview temptations mm. embedded into the Enneagram. Um, and I have an article in front of me uh, by Kevin DeYoung for the Gospel Coalition about a book. It's a review of a book on the Enneagram. Um, and I won't I won't read it, but he he quotes a prayer from the end of the book and talks about how how bizarrely incompatible this prayer is with biblical Christianity, because it's essentially telling people you're perfect just the way you are. And if you just figure out how, how God sees you as perfect, just the way you are, then you can, you can be more at peace, more, more happy, more successful. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but, but that's just not Mm. what Christianity says. Um, Christianity does not say that when God looks at us, he's totally happy with everything that he sees with us. It says that when he looks at us, he sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ, who did what we were incapable of doing. Um, and so we, we just really need to hold on to that view that we are incapable of being our own salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, with, with all that being said, um, we don't want to leave everyone just being like, oh, well, I guess I got nothing now. <laughs> what What do you guys think a person should do if they want to find out what what God would have them do with their life? What God has um, purposed for them, who is cr- that created them to be? What is a good first step to take in finding that out? Um, obviously using uh, biblically sound methods. Obviously, you're not necessarily experts. Mm-hmm. You, should, uh, you should read the wisdom literature. So read, read Proverbs, and then when you're done reading Proverbs, um, read Ecclesiastes, and when you're done Ecclesiastes, read Job. And, and don't just read them and 
kind of, it's like, okay, here's the things that happened. Like read them and really sit and think about, it's like, am I comfortable with the implications of this? Do I actually, do I structure my life the way that the book of Proverbs would have me structure things? Do I, do I think about the meaning of events the way that the book of Job does and the book of Ecclesiastes does? Um, like, I think that um, the reason that so many of these personality tests are so enticing to people is because Christians nowadays are largely biblically illiterate. We don't, we don't think about um, the way that scripture has created a way of thinking about the world, especially when it comes to the Old Testament. And so I would even read, read Leviticus and like actually try to understand Leviticus. And I think that people, or, and if you don't understand Leviticus, go talk to someone who understands Leviticus. Like one of the helpful tools that the biblical uh, corpus gives us is this language of the body of Christ and that we don't all have to serve the same purpose within the body of Christ. And so if your purpose in the body of Christ is not one who can understand the book of Leviticus on your own, go talk to someone who does and, and think about atonement and what atonement means for how people work. Um, think about the symbols in the book of Leviticus, and that's going to be so much more fruitful than um, some nine category system of determining who people are. Hmm. Yeah. How well for you, Justin? Final thoughts? On like what people should do yeah. to look for a reliable Christian view? Um... Why is this so hard all of a sudden? <laughs> this is bad. I mean, I would agree with Such Joel a um, to read through scripture. Um, I would recommend, yeah, just honestly reading through the gospels would actually be very helpful. Because when you actually look at what Jesus does um, and the things that he teaches and he says, um, it actually gives a very clear picture of like what we are as people. Um, for example, in, in Matthew um, 5, where he goes through the Beatitudes, um, is really just an exposition of the law. Like Jesus' goal in that is to, to help people realize what they are. He's saying things like, um, do not commit adultery. Um, but he's actually correcting people in their views and is saying that it's not just um, the act of adultery that's wrong, but even the thought of doing it is wrong as well. And he does the same thing with murder. Um, and he, he helps uh, people understand things like divorce and forgiveness and things like that. But I, I think really as, as Christians, um, when we, when we look at passages of scripture, we need to understand that um, it's not just like parts of it that are nicer and parts of it that are worse. But when you read through um, any part of scripture, you can actually see uh, the ways that people fall short. Um, but then all the things in scripture also point back to what Jesus did on the cross. Um, so especially when you read through the gospels, it has this giant lead up to the crucifixion. Um, and there's pointers all along the way that says things like repent and believe. Um, 
And really what that does is that it calls for people to look on themselves um, and to see where they actually are. Um, but then it offers a solution to all the problems that we have. Because when you look at the cross, what Jesus actually does for people, he actually dies for people's sin. Um, and in that, there's an actual solution to it. It's not just a sort of like self-help, like I'm going to do more because I'm motivated to do it or I looked at myself and I'm not good enough, so I'll do more. But there's actually grace in it because now like you realize that who you are and the things that you do is not just a sort of self-help, but it's out of appreciation for what Jesus has done on the cross. So, yeah, my, my recommendation is just read scripture. Cool. So, yeah, read scripture, guys. <laughs> and and if, if reading scripture is uh, not what you specifically want to do, say, okay, I read a lot of scripture. Uh, what else should I do? Um, I'm going to plug a book. Uh, I've plugged two things now by Kevin DeYoung. One is <laughs> one is his review of a, I can't remember the title of the book, on an Enneagram for the Gospel Coalition. And the other um, is a book which is specifically about kind of finding God's will for your life, which is, I think, in a lot of ways what the Enneagram is kind of mm. trying to help people do. Um, yeah. And so this this book by Kevin DeYoung is called Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's a it's a book I definitely recommend. Totally. Yeah. What a nice little closing we have here. Yeah. It's so much less aggressive than before. <laughs> before. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, what, what happened before? Yeah. Dude, we completely deconstructed a whole way of thinking. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> oh, okay. You just freaking tore it apart, dude. Wow. Wow. But thank you, Justin and Joel, for joining us. Yeah, what a good Podcasting time. with us. Is that potting with us? Casting with us? That's okay. Casting. Talk, talk, talking, talking to a mic. Yeah, Talking to you. a mic with no, us. No, just talking is fine. Yeah. Talking into a mic specifically, the, though. Okay, we're having a conversation. Talking, talking with a mic at a 45-degree angle. Okay. That's a, about Barn a fifth away. Way. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. We're... We're having a conversation, and it just happens to be recorded. That's what this is. This isn't planned at all. Yeah, yeah it was a spontaneous no. thing. Okay, spontaneous <laughs> adjustment oh, of audio yeah. levels beforehand. Yeah, and spontaneity is directly what a seven thing to, to do. Genuineness. <laughs> what yeah. a bunch of sevens! Just kidding. Okay. Obviously. Actually, I'm a five, so. I, I don't know what I am. I can't am. believe you just said that. I'm all of them. Okay. Well, Wait, that's my counselor that's wants me to get tested for ADD, so I win. Hey. Yeah, me too. Sweet. Not me too. Already. Been already. there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> He's already ahead of the game. <laughs> wow. Nice. Cool. Okay. Well, yes. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody who's listening. Love you. That's not Justin and Joel right now. Yeah. Wait, oh, you, you think I'm going to listen to this? Yeah, have a warm bidet. It's actually... Have oh, a, yeah. Is it, it's just, is it just a warm bidet? Sometimes I switch it up. I don't know. Okay. Have well, a nice warm bidet? Have a big warm bidet? Yeah. Whoa. Just a nice bidet. <laughs> okay. I don't own a bidet. 